Years ago, I stumbled across the book Victorian Women by Joan Perkin and realized that it was a treasure chest of information about the Victorian era and the challenges Victorian women faced. Studying the contents has been an eye-opening experience. I highly recommend it if you're interested in moving beyond the romance of the era and into reality. What is unique about the book, is that it contains texts from women who lived during that time period, expressing what it was like to be a woman in a man's world. Joan Perkins includes the lives of all women, in the upper class, middle class, and working class, to give the reader a complete picture. To be a woman in the Victorian era was frankly unromantic. Here are a few of the many items that I found informative. The importance of class and gender in the Victorian era played a large role in a woman's life. A quotation from Alexander Walker, a physiologist, in the mid-1800s had this to say about women. It is evident that the man, possessing reasoning faculties, muscular power, and courage to employ it, is qualified for being a protector, the woman, being little capable of reasoning, feeble, and timid, requires protection. Under such circumstances, the man naturally governs, the woman as naturally obeys. The general male opinion regarding the female sex was void of respect. Women, however, as general, didn't buy into the fact that they were inferior to the male species. Wives who only gave birth to girls were considered failures in their marriages. A male child was considered far better not only to produce an heir for the upper class but to produce workers for the family of the working class. No formal schooling existed for children until the 1880s. Upper-class women were taught at home by governesses and tutors. The middle-upper class taught their children at home or paid for private schooling or boarding school. The lower-class women were self-taught or remained illiterate. I am astonished from my own ancestry research on my family in the Manchester, UK area in the 19th century how many of my ancestors put an X as their mark on documents such as marriage certificates. On one spectrum, the Victorian era was one of prudish ideals. Sex, menstruation, and masturbation were never discussed in the upper and middle classes. Most women entered marriage completely ignorant regarding sexual relations or the female reproduction system. Sex was considered a marital duty in order to produce children and should never be a pleasurable experience for a woman. Ignorance was a means used to keep daughters pure until marriage. Up until the age of 21, men and women needed parental consent to marry. Marriage for the upper classes, of course, was arranged for wealth and power. Charlotte Bronte thought that romantic awakening was romantic folly. Women shouldn't fall in love till the offer of marriage had been given, the wedding ceremony over, and the first half year of marriage had passed. Middle-class women married men that received their parents' approval. Finding a husband could be difficult. In 1851, there were 500,000 more women than men in England, and by 1911, the number rose to 1.5 million. The lower-class women lived entirely different lives. In the 19th century over a third of women were pregnant when they got married. The farming community indulged freely in fornication and adultery. A double standard existed in all three classes. Men were not criticized for fornication or illicit sex before or during a marriage, but women were held to different rules. The mortality rates were astounding in childbirth. One in 200 women died giving birth. Most women had an average of nine children. There were crude and ineffective means of birth control, and abortion was a crime. Many poor women, however, attempted to abort babies and died in the process. Once married, a woman's property belonged to a man. Any wages a woman earned during the marriage belonged to her husband. 
It wasn't until 1882 that an act of parliament finally gave a married woman the right to her property at the time of marriage or earned during the marriage. Underpants were not worn before the 1840s. Now you know. There are interesting chapters regarding what women did during the Victorian era regarding entertainment and domestic life for all classes. We romanticize the Victorian era far too much. A wife was the property of the husband. Once again, the double standard held where he could be unfaithful, but the wife could not. Divorce came by private acts of parliament before 1857, and was very costly and difficult to obtain. Men could divorce their wives for adultery, women could not divorce only on the grounds of adultery, but it had to be accompanied by either physical cruelty, bigamy, or incest. Custody of children went to the fathers, and the rights to see the children after a divorce could be curtailed or forbidden for the mother. The husband had the right to give moderate correction if she did not obey. Wife abuse occurred in all classes of society. Women had very little recourse against husbands who beat them and leaving was often not an option. Not until 1878 were women able to separate from abusive husbands and receive some type of maintenance from their spouses. Because divorce was difficult to obtain, married partners would often separate and go their way. Alternatives would be living with another lover out of wedlock or committing bigamy. Most women outlived their husbands by many years, and widowhood for women in all classes could be a devastating and difficult time. One in four individuals over 65 were considered paupers and ended up their lives in workhouses or asylums. Unless they had family members who could afford to care for them, widows needed to turn to other means in order to support themselves. If they were savvy enough, they may take in borders, clean houses, or find other menial jobs in order to survive. There were a growing number of women who preferred spinsterhood rather than marriage because they were free to handle their money, make their decisions, and keep their illegitimate children. Middle-class women had more opportunities to pursue skilled jobs, but they were paid a pittance in comparison to their male counterparts. Lower-class women often worked long hours in factories and other jobs, and sometimes resorted to prostitution. The book is filled with many details from women of the past that will shock you regarding the hardships and inequality they faced. However, there are truly inspirational stories, too, about those women who work to bring about equality and change for women. As an author, I realize that I am guilty of writing about an era and purposely ignoring the hardships that Victorian women endured. Perhaps as modern ladies, we are merely enamored by men in askets who look dashing, rich, and handsome. We love our dukes and titled men, the fancy houses, and the lavish lifestyles and fashions. These are the fantasy men we have chosen to fall in love with between the pages, and the lovers we have given our heroines. However, the aristocracy of England during the Victorian era only accounted for 2% of the population. Another small percentage included the upper middle class, which consisted of 15% of the population. These were families such as businessmen and tradesmen, who could adequately support their families. To write about the other 83% of the population would be depressing to most readers. Frankly, I do not think that women care to read about suffering women in romance books. I know when I wrote about the hardships of one poor French woman in 1870 in my first book, The Price of Innocence, I was severely criticized in reviews for writing a miserable story. However, let's be honest with ourselves. Lives for women during that time period were for the most part miserable, which thankfully gave rise to changes in law and attitudes.